This is a Radio.com original. One that I miss the most was my, like, 76 uh, Caprice Classic. It's oh. a Chevy. Back yeah. to, back to back your choices. And that was a Chevy. a Chevy. It was like the no, year before huge. they started shrinking it. Right? That's right. That's why when I drove it up to my friend's house, they'd say, what, your folks in town? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars podcast. It has everything a car person loves. Car stories, celebrities giving us their car stories, car personalities with their car stories. Come on, what's not the like? I'm Randy Cardoon, and this time around, Hot Rod Bob Beck and I caught up with singer Bill Champlin, actor Mark Singer, and car builder Bob Hilton. Champlin and Singer were at a recent Hollywood autograph show. In fact, Bill Champlin is also a Grammy Award-winning songwriter, and his first group, you may have heard of him because they're still playing, the Sons of Champlin in 1965. He then joined the band Chicago in 1981, stayed there for some 28 years. He was lead vocalist in 1984's Hard Habit to Break, Look Away, and I Don't Want to Live Without Your Love, which came in 1988. But what about his car stories? Well, the first one sounds like... He could have skipped music and gone straight to a stuntman's career. Well, I borrowed my stepdad's 67 Volkswagen and proceeded to... I didn't roll it, but I put it on its side and (laughs) slid it down the street. Uh, You know, took a corner, badly banked, changed into third gear and over... You know, shifted down. Hey, man, Parnelli Champlin, what a (laughs) dummy. I was about, you know, I was about 16, 17 years old. Boom, it was over with, you know. Uh, hello, uh, I just rolled your car. Oh, that's lovely, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, and nothing like keeping, you yeah. know, family. And then my mom's car, before that, before she even met this guy, I was working at a, I was doing a, uh, some kind of high school gig in Ukiah, California, and I was loading stuff out into my mom's, I think it was a Dodge Dart, something like, you know, kind of ugly, bad-looking fins, big red car. And it, but I was loading amps in the back and stuff like that, and somehow the emergency brake slipped. And this was the, the the area that we were loading out of had a little little downhill thing going. Next thing you know, the car is aiming downhill. So I'm going, hey, I can catch this and get in there and stop it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I'm running like crazy trying to catch the car. <laughs> I'm getting the car speeding up because it's going downhill. Next thing I realize, it's aiming for a giant propane tank. Oh. I'm going, okay, now we're going to turn around. <laughs> and run in the other direction. Yeah, there you go. And she hit, it was the little cyclone fence around, and the car itself hit right where there was a, a, a post. Okay. And it put a nice V in the front of the car, but it didn't blow, it didn't blow the propane tank. What's a good thing? But the minute I saw that thing going, I said, whoops, nah, the car is not that important. No. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, Plains I was out of there. And, yeah, yeah right. Absolutely. So what was your first car? I, I think it was, you know, actually my first car. God, I can't even remember. You know, I was I was playing Hammond organ a lot. So actually my first car was a, a 57 panel truck, 1957 mm-hmm. really? panel truck. And then after that, after I, oh, I was driving home from in the panel truck. I had a Hammond organ in the back. My wife at the time and our uh, our maybe six-month-old baby going across Richardson Bay overpass. Uh, between Sausalito and Mill Valley on Highway 101. 
and someone had loosened my uh, lug nuts on the la- on the back left, Uh-oh. and and the the tires came off the car. I hate it when that happens. Oh, yeah, it's a drag. It's but the, so the brake drum just kind of kept me from rolling, you know, or doing anything like that. Elaine's walking, you know, got Brad walking across. There's no sidewalk on this thing. She's walking across. It's dark. There's no lights. Uh-huh. So and I'm in the slow lane, right. And I'm sitting there with a Zippo lighter trying to remind trucks that are coming in the slow lane. A Zippo lighter. This thing can't, <laughs> can't move. And finally, we got a, we got a guy, you know, a, a tow truck to get that thing off there. My grandmother heard about it. She went, you what? You did? You what? What? She bought me a, a, <laughs> she bought me a Ford Econoline. And while she was at yeah. it, she got me a Hammond B3 and a Leslie. She said, there you go. Love that woman. You know, so from then on in, we were, we were screaming. Wow. Line. Cool. You've been in several bands. Yeah, yeah. And at one point... I was in the Nairobi trio with Ernie Kovacs. No, I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pub. We'll be yeah, here How also. about that for showing your age? <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> about that point, you started making real money. Well, I, th- I was with Chicago in 19... I joined in 1981, did the, did the 16 album, and then went on the road in May of 1982. Actually, the first gig with them was on my 35th birthday. Now... How much of car guys were they? I know a couple of them were kind of into cars. Oh, yeah, they they? All, I mean, you know, I think Walt had a couple of Rolls Royces. Jimmy had a, a sweet Porsche. Jimmy Panko? Nice, yeah, yeah, nice looking Porsche. I think he's got a Bentley now, you know. Uh-huh. Easier to get I, I don't know. I got a Ford Edge that I, that I leased, and I was going to go to give it back. I went, I don't want to go through this. I bought it. Oh, did you? I forget about <laughs> it. I'm going to stick with the same thing. I don't really care. For me, a car is... It's a, you know it's point A to point B, uh-huh. and and with enough of a load to carry a twin reverb and a and a piano or something you know, because <laughs> at this point in the game I'm schlepping my own stuff. Is there one car you ever had that you'd like to have back? I you know the last one that I leased before I got the Ford Edge was the Ford Fusion uh, uh, hybrid. Loved it. Gave it back. I went. I should have bought this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Really, I lo- love that car. You know, it got great mileage. It was totally happening. But uh-huh. not, they don't make it anymore. Yeah. No. You know. But, I, you know, I like having an SUV. You know, and I get okay mileage. And, you know, I don't have a, you know, I got to lift the tailgate. You know. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's like, well, let me see. We're going to go with AC. What, what kind of AC would you like? Would you like digital AC or, or analog AC? <laughs> What's analog AC? You open a window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's your analog there AC. You Sounds like our cars. <laughs> Musician Bill Champlin. If you're a fan of the Beastmaster movies or like lizards, well, then you know actor Mark Singer. He came up as an actor doing Shakespeare, and before moving on to Dar in the Beastmaster movies, he was the lead character in the TV movie series V, where beings from outer space basically take over the world. They look human, but were they really? Wait a minute. They're lizards. You get the idea. So before we asked about his car stories... We kind of had to start to ask Mark about his interesting characters. Well, you know, when you're doing uh, the classics like Shakespeare and stuff like that, you're dealing in in, uh, in expressions that are are meant to be a little larger than life. And so, uh, besides the practical matter, which is a lot of them have a lot of sword swinging in, in them as well. So, dealing in fantasy and and uh, and telling stories that uh, that people can draw lessons from in their own lives is that's what Shakespeare's all about. So. You know, how much it was an easy transition, actually. How much training, though? I mean, you're talking about swinging swords yeah, yeah. and all this stunt yeah. stuff. I mean, did you do it? Did you? I mean, it sure looked like you did it. 
We, we, in those days, you did your own stunts. I don't know what people do now with CGI and stuff like that, but everything we did, we did right there live on the spot. And, uh, and you know, my sword work is something that I brought with me to the set. So I was kind of proud of that on the one hand, and on the other hand, I was a little challenged by it because you look across, I don't care if things are choreographed or not, you're fighting somebody that's half again as big as you and they're swinging steel and you're swinging steel, you gotta be on your toes. So there was no, uh, it was no uh, plastic imitation sword. Oh, you're no, 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 there were no plastic imitation swords. In fact, uh, at the end of the Beastmaster, I fought a, a, a great uh, stuntman named Tony Eppers. And when I first met him, Tony, who's much larger than I am, Tony said, uh, he picked up his sword, he looked at me and said, hey, babe. He said, you're not going to let them let me swing this at you, are you? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Warning, warning. Yeah. Now, Mark, you're about, I mean, for, we're obviously on a podcast, but you're what, about 6'3"? Uh, two. 6'2", yeah. okay. Yeah. That's still pretty tall. Oh, no, Mr. Eppers was, uh, and I still call him Mr. Eppers. Mr. Eppers is, uh, was taller by a yard and a half. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he was a big boy. Yeah. Well, it's, it makes it look like it was more of a, you know, bad guy kind of thing. Yeah. No, no, exactly. And, uh, and uh, you know, my sword was big enough, but his was like the front end of a 57 caddy. It was a big big piece of steel. Yeah. <laughs> I like my sword's it. bigger than your sword. Well, yeah. I like that transition yeah. right there. There we go. There we go. The, the, man, the man knows of what kind of podcast he is in right now. That's it. Speaking of that kind of caddy, what... When you grew up, what kind yeah. of cars did your family have? What was your first car? I was I was raised basically in Texas, and in Texas there were two kinds of uh, there were basically two kinds of families. You were either a Ford family or you were a Chevy family, and uh, we were a Chevy family. Our neighbor was a Ford family, uh, and uh, sounds and like the, the uh, was it the McCoys and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 it was a bit like that. I mean, there was a, you were territorial about your uh, about your loyalty, your brand loyalty. Uh, all the Fords uh, on the road said built in Texas by Texans, and mm -hmm. uh, Chevrolets didn't. Uh, yep. I, I don't know what the difference was, uh, but I, I know that, that when I grew up, I was of that age where I could tell you every car and every model on the road coming over the horizon. Absolutely. Well, what kind of car was your first car? Uh, my first car was a 1956 uh, two-door Oldsmobile uh, Coupe. And it was a great car, and I paid a hundred bucks for it. Wow! And uh, it had uh, it had uh, bearings that you could stick your fingers through, uh, <laughs> and I didn't know that at the time. But boy, that was a wonderful car, and I, I think of it fondly to this day. That thing could turn in its own radius; it it could just turn like like a like a like a horse spinning on its heels. It was a great car. And you hear cars like that, and you always think. You know, my uncle had one of those. Yeah. Wait a minute, my uncle and my grandparents had one of those. Yeah. And those 56s were, you yeah. know, really stylish, yep. really powerful. Yes, they were. And uh, how long did you have that? Uh, you know, I had it a very short while. I had it about a year. And like a lot of good cars, I let it slip through my fingers. And I, I think back on the cars that I did. You know, I had a Corvette. I had a 400 cubic inch inch uh, Firebird. A 69 that I just really loved. Let it slip between my, slip from my fingers. Had an Audi that I really liked. I had, um, uh, it, but of all my cars, strangely enough, the one that I missed the most was my like 76 uh, Caprice Classic. It's oh. a Chevy. Back yeah. to back to back your choice. And that was a Chevy. a Chevy. It was like the no, year before huge. they started shrinking. Right? That's right. That's why when I drove it up to my friend's house, they'd say, "What, your folks in town?" <laughs> <laughs> all right. Of all the cars you've had, is there something that you would like that you've never uh, gotten? Um, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm more and more interested uh, in uh, in older cars now, uh, and. Um, 
the car that I that I probably would like uh, most is actually one that I have had, uh, and it's uh, and I still have it. It's sitting in my garage, and uh, the crankcase is broke, oh. and it's my it's my Forerunner. Uh, it's my Toyota Forerunner. It's really? a '91, and I have had such good experiences in it that every ding and dent. Uh, is special to me and and I don't live in a large house and so if I want to make a special phone call I go out to the garage and sit in my forerunner and that's that's really my phone booth oh that's I sit funny in there and I, re, I, I relive memories in it so did you off-road it or anything or just I just uh, yes sometimes I mean just depended on where we were and what the circumstances was I love that kind I love that car I loved its size still love it love its size love its uh, its capacity for as being a road car and also an off off-road car uh, and uh, and I also like traveling in a car that in some way replicates a, a house, you know. Okay. And if you want to, you can pull that thing over to the side and go to sleep, and there you are. You got your own room. You talk about growing up with Chevys and that kind of yeah. thing and General Motors. Most of your cars that weren't, let's say, foreign cars, were they General Motors cars? I mostly tended toward uh, toward Chevys and GM cars. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just uh, something about the way the transmission works. Uh, something about the ignition and the sound of the engine when you turn it over. Uh, those are just familiar things to me. Now, my, my grandmother, I learned to drive a stick on my grandmother's, oh, I'm going to say 61 uh, Ford Fairlane uh, with three on the tree. Yeah. And I uh, used to drive it in a pasture in Texas. And that's where I learned to drive a, a stick. Uh, and, you know, listen, their Fords are wonderful cars, but they... It, you know, a car has a, a, a whole. A, a, how do you say this? A car has a kind of a soul. It has a life. It has a song. It has a heartbeat. It has a rhythm. It has a way that that it feels. And when you've grown up feeling one thing, it's it calls to you in a certain way. And that's mm-hmm. that's the way I felt always about those those cars. It's comfort zone. It's everything. There's a comfort zone. Yeah, that's everything's right. yeah. in the right place. Yeah. It's in the same place you're used to. Yeah, it's just a comfortable feeling yeah. to get in a car and know where everything is, and yeah. it operates the way you expect. Yeah, and if you're going to spend that kind of money on anything, you should know and be comfortable with yeah. that vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. it's kind of an interesting. All right, so you've idea. got your Forerunner in the garage. Yeah. What else? What do you drive on an everyday basis now? Uh, I, I drive uh, right now. I drive what would what would be a modern day Fliver, and I'm not going to say anything more about it. <laughs> It's uh, it's a shame, and I hide it around corners. Um, uh, I'm I'm looking for what my next car is, to tell you ah. the truth. But um, uh, I did have a bad experience with trying to get the uh, Forerunner engine rebuilt, uh, and I sunk a lot of money into that. Oh. And so it's uh, it irks me that it's sitting in my garage, because mm. uh, as anybody does, you know, you you uh, you, you you budget yourself. And, uh, and the budget is not right there to, to, to take it back in and get an, another engine rebuild. Did you ever have cars in movies aside? Because I know a lot of the movies yeah. you did were kind of like the medieval stuff and yeah, all that, yeah. which a lot of you know a lot of fans love. Yeah. Tell me about some cars possibly in other movies or TV shows that you remember. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the cars that I drove in, uh, in many of the shows, it's funny because I used to say to my stuntmen friends, what do you think is a good car? They say, don't ask us. All the cars we drive, we flip, or they, you know, or they blow up, or they catch fire, because that's those are the cars that you know they're the old ratty old cars. That's what we drive, you know. Um, I, I think uh, the car that I enjoyed driving the most was uh, I'm going to see if I get the year right. It was like a 1936 or 39 Packard convertible 
in a in a movie for television uh, miniseries, um, uh, 79 Park Avenue, and uh, boy, that was a joy to drive, and and uh, and uh, and we would drive it on the old uh, uh, city streets uh, on Warner Brothers lot, uh, and driving that old car down between those old facades, boy, that was an experience. You know, that was good. Wackiest freeway story that you've ever had, or breakdown story. Wackiest freeway story, or breakdown right, story, one, or... one in which I wasn't arrested. Uh, okay, uh, I'll take what yeah. you got. Yeah. Um, oh, breakdown story. My, uh, my. Okay, yeah, I've got. Okay, here's a breakdown story. It's a Christmas story. Uh, the the actual forerunner that I love so much that my family and I just drove until the axles fell out of it, right? Um, I was so overjoyed to get it back, even, and before I understood that, that, the, that I had been gypped on the, on the rebuild, we drove it up to Mammoth in the winter to go skiing. Uh, for people who don't know what that is, that's a beautiful drive up through the Mojave Desert on I-395. Yeah, 395, 395, 395. Yes. Uh, Gorgeous scenery all the way. And the car kept breaking down. And it broke down in Mojave, and then it broke down in Lone Pine, and then finally it broke down in uh, in the town of Bishop. And it was Christmas Eve with a broken car out on the road with my family and the snow coming down. And Sounds like a Hallmark movie, doesn't isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hallmark <laughs> moment, yes. And somebody said, I know somebody that can fix your car. And, and there we were at 8 or 9 o'clock at night with a broken car and this golden light spilling out of somebody's garage and a beautiful family that had come out and put our car back together for wow. us in the middle of a snowy Christmas. We went up, we, we enjoyed Christmas, and when we came back through town, we made sure we stopped and we gave everybody presents and so on and so on. That was a really good Christmas. That's, That's my breakdown story. That's a great one. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a Hallmark yeah. story, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Actor Mark Singer, who, by the way, is the older brother of actor Laurie Singer from Footloose. Finally, we talk with classic car builder Bob Hilton of Hilton Hot Rods in the United Pacific booth at the Grand National Roadster Show in Pomona, California. We're in northern Virginia, right outside D.C. Um, Tony Ross Racing, he's in northern Ohio, so we're kind of together. We're hooked at the hips. I mean, we, we had talked about an AMBR car, and that's what would bring us out here. And that was about a three-year process. Okay. To, you know, it was about a two-year build process. We did it on a very tight budget, and, but we brought an honest hot rod. So, yeah, uh, so yeah, about a three-year time period that we were looking at it. Wow, very cool. And you, so you, this is your first opportunity to see what what has struck you about being here. Is what what's the first thing you looked at and and just kind of went wow. Well, I mean, man, it's the biggest car show in the world. I mean, I, we get to some shows. We do a lot of good guys. We do a lot of Autorama shows. But this thing's huge, man. It's huge. Last year, I didn't get the opportunity to see anything. I've tried every day to go out and go through a building, <laughs> you know, since we've been here. And, of course, the outside yesterday was unreal. It really was. So... Uh, that's probably the biggest thing. It's worldwide. The outside being the place where not only do you have vendors and that kind of thing, but people just show up with their cars, they pay a fee, yeah. and they get to put their own cars outside. So it's not necessarily Bob an organized no, thing, but it's, right. 
but but the best of really Southern California and outside the area, people just drive their cars in, pay a fee, and, and they get to show their own cars. Yeah, it's like a car so, show yeah. inside a car show. There was over 700 pre-entries for outside, and from what we heard, an additional 500 day of show came in. Mm -hmm. So there were 1,200 cars outside. There's probably five 600 here inside. Yeah. No, no, it's an amazing show, man. I mean, if you haven't come, you need to come, you know, and uh, and it's worldwide. I mean, yeah. from every country in the world, you, it's, it really is. Because uh, you, know, you look around and you just see not only some amazing customs, I think, I think uh, Troy Ladd, he has a, fifth, a shell, really, but it's, he's still working on the metalwork, but it just shows you how great it is. A 56 Plymouth station wagon, but it, he incorporated the Nomad roof. Right. It's crazy. And that's a crazy thing. You saw well, a 56 Ford, Ford, Ford you were yeah. talking about? Yeah, where they put the Crown Victoria, the uh, stainless crown from the coupe, across the roof of a station Unbelievable. wagon. Unbelievable. And it, it, it just it looks right. He changed the pillars, making it more, uh, and we call it Nomad-esque, but it, it's Nomad set the standard for a personal luxury station wagon. And Ford and the others really didn't respond, but American Hot Rodding has. Right. Yeah, and, right. and I think it's great, too, because the point I was going to bring up was for you guys listening in Canada, I love yeah. those old <laughs> Cadians, the Beaumonts, yeah. uh, all the combination cars that they would sit there and put together. You see part Mercury, part Ford. Right. They have here uh, what we know here is a Chevy 2 or a Nova, uh, and you guys out in uh, Canada, it's the Acadian Canso. And they put together unbelievably yes. a custom job on that, and it's really cool. Now, really Bobby, cool. you were working, you just got a beautiful spread in uh, in a magazine, let's see, Rodders it's Rodders Journal, Pete Canal's uh, publication of your coupe. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that car. Uh, I mean, we're here with United Pacific today, of course, so... That car on the cover, Rodderson, I think it's gone back two issues now. Maybe they've put one or two out since, but that was for this summer. Uh, we built that car for a gentleman and his wife in Florida, Bob and Christine Gratton. Great people, man. They yeah. support us in the racing and uh, with the hot rods. It's, that was the second car. We're actually building the third car for him now. But wow. uh, that hot rod there was a hard-chopped original 32 body. That was uh, UP roof panels, floor panels, strip rails. Uh, windshield frame. Um, that's kind of where my niche is with United Pacific is the panels. Um, haven't had the opportunity to use one of their complete bodies yet, but uh, yeah, yeah, that car there had quite a few UP panels, amazing panels. Yeah, yeah we've and, heard from others that they fit really well, making your job a lot easier. Oh man, it, it, I'm telling you, I, I was I was telling them there a little bit ago. They are amazing, and I'm not just saying that. They they, they enable. A builder or a home builder to be able to take an original body and put it back right and typically man it's the quarters it's the quarters of the floor pans uh, or roof sections like I said this car here had a complete new roof section on it um, the drip rails all the windshield parts the push out studs everything man it's as, it's as good as Henry ever made and, and as Bob mentioned I think we really get the word from a lot of people we've talked to about United Pacific's work not only does it make the quality of the job better but it also comes in at a better price for the owner of the car oh no man I mean the, the pricing in it's right where it needs to be it really is it it enables you to find an original five window body that five or eight years ago you you couldn't have done anything with you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd have had to hand fabricate panels, or you may want to use three three window panels or roaster subrails. 
it was a nightmare, man. A lot of people didn't even want to fool with it. Right. So now you're able to take those panels and create a, a nice original shell. Give us a little background on how, what got you into the car restoration <laughs> and car building business. Tell us about your uh, first car and your story. Man, I didn't have hot rods when I was a kid. We were too busy nitro racing. You know, I was born in a family with a nitro top fuel car. Started driving them when I was 15. Uh, drove them all through my teenage years into my 20s. So we never had hot rods. We didn't have time. And uh, we kind of thought they were, you know, yeah. it's not serious, man. It's a, it's a toy, yeah. 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 So uh, I, I drove a race car for my mother and father-in-law, ultimately. Uh, we had a son, Tyler, and he wanted a hot rod. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I didn't really understand hot rods. But anyway, I was 15, we built him a little sedan. Top ship LaSalle, Olds. Yeah. And they kind of morphed from there, really. And mm. and then we built a couple more. Then I, really I got hooked up with uh, Tony at Ross Racing, and we built him a really badass uh, Model A. Mm -hmm. And so that's what started it. And then I, I, I don't... I don't have this huge backlog of people. I try to deal with the same people every time. It's more about making friends and relationships mm -hmm. and dealing with, I've built several cars for different people. You might build them two cars, three cars. Uh, so that's what it ends up being for us, yep. What's your first car? What was your first car? Uh, our first, oh, first, first automobile? First car car, yeah. Oh, uh, man. A Volkswagen, I think. What? <laughs> I drove a Volkswagen <laughs> to the races when I was driving other people's cars, you uh -huh. know? I told you, a car was nothing more than a necessity yeah. to get to the drags. <laughs> so did you ever tip the cam, put a little nitro in the VW? Yeah, 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 hop it up a little bit. But yeah. Yeah. No, we never had a real big hot rod background. Uh -huh. My dad did. You know, he came from the 50s. He had 34 Fords, you know, he had 32, but... I never... Uh, but that influenced you then? Yes, yeah. ultimately. And yeah. then your son is the one that got you into it. He got me into the hot rods. And yeah. now he's bailed out, man. And all he wants <laughs> to fool with is the drag racing. Yeah, nitro <laughs> racing. Funny and and successful. Oh, yeah, we've you done very well, man. Uh, we're running the NHRA Heritage Series. Uh, so that's a recognized series. Yep. We're, we've been running in the top four cars in the country. Um, then we'll go to the March... It goes March meet, Boeing Green... Boise, Idaho, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and back to Bakersfield. So it's a good series. Um, Tyler's 28 now. Uh, put him in a dually in a little box trailer, and down the road he goes. Uh, uh, right. But uh, my mother and father-in-law were very heavily involved, too. Jim mm -hmm. and Allison Lee okay. from the Plains, Virginia. And uh, so she's still involved today Yeah. heavily, as you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, 70, I won't say Alice. She, she, she's <laughs> Mom, a young girl, he man. He didn't mean it. Hey, he didn't mean it. Age is just a number. Yeah. It's the mental attitude that counts. That's right. She loves working on the race car, man. She lives for it. So, so that's great. So what's the next project you're working on? Hot Rod that's going to uh, require this stuff from what I was what I, what I was saying before, man, we were we were somewhat disappointed. We were, we were to have a 32 here that mm -hmm. we used an amazing amount of panels on. Uh, it got hung up a little bit in the paint process, and we didn't want to push it. So we'll carry it to Detroit, to the Autorama. Okay. That's how close we were with yeah. it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's our next uh, project that's finishing up. Um, uh, then we have two 34 Fords we're building right now, two five windows. Okay. Um, two different, entirely different visions. One of them's a hard chop, Dry Lake style, Eric Black rendered, Scott Blown Cadillac. And then the other is more of a drag-inspired uh, supercharged Hemi, 554-style car. Wow. So 
We bit off a big chunk, man. In your opinion, what is the allure of the 32, 34, 36-era Ford cars? Well, you know, I mean, I, I say Model A's matter, and that's what brought us here to the game, right? <laughs> um, but they are another level of car, you know what I mean? They're, they're, uh, they're a bigger car, um, and the 32 was probably the iconic car of all time, right? Yeah. The five window, I think. Sure. So... I knew I had to get out of the corner of being a Model A builder, even though, I mean, I, I think our Model A's are probably, they're the nicest ones around, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, they have a unique look all themselves. Uh, but we enjoy building the 32s. They're, they're, a, they're a more uh, prestigious car. All right, if you could build any style 32 you could, what would you build? I enjoyed that hard chop one on the cover of that router, so I mean, man, it's hammered. I like that uh, uh, high boy style car. I, I mean, the one we did right now, the one that's going to be at Detroit, is a semi-channel car. Mm -hmm. So we left the floor pan, man, in the stock position. Okay. Um, and and notched the chassis and dropped the body down into the chassis two inches. So we kept a full height car without having to uh, without having to sacrifice the floor. Oh, that's, I, I, that's I just couldn't unique. bring myself to cutting that brand new floor pan out. <laughs> But uh, but really, it worked out. So it's semi-channel, two inches. Then we sectioned the firewall, sat it back up on top. So the illusion is a semi-channel car uh, with a three-inch chop. So it's an East Coast-style car. I, I dig it. It's it's a it's like I said, it's candy tangerine orange, true candy, house color candy. Travis painted it uh, with a six deuce four hundred nine um, DC Armory car. So it, it's gorgeous. Haul. Oh, man, you'll be able to see it walking in the door down there. So okay. uh, I, I dig that style car. That's probably what brought me to the table was East Coast cars. Well, good. Um, so we, we like them all. Yeah, we like them all, man. Car builder Bob Hilton. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Radio.com, iTunes, and KNX 1070 so that you can be notified when a new Talking About Cars is uploaded and you won't miss a thing. And if you're on iTunes, don't forget, rate us a five stars and give us a review. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and also on Twitter where we are Talk N, the letter N, about cars. Also, remember to join me as I join Hot Rod Bob every second Tuesday of the month with his Great American Auto scene show on his Bob Beck page on Facebook and got gas G-A-A-S dot com. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars. Tough ain't enough.